Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion. Peter. Yes? That's Peter. Oh. Hi. Uh, Peter's Peter. I'm Orion. We are going to talk some Bible. Uh, This is episode 31. What? We're over the hump. Uh, If 60 is the goal, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, folks. Count down to the final episode, episode 60. No, that's not true. Uh, It could end way before 60. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Did I I jinx it? That's not the direction I was going. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Okay. So we're at 31, uh, and we're in Luke... But before we get there, i got to tell you, i got to do a little bit of business stuff. I'm uh, looking at the list. Okay, email us. Questions, comments, podcast at morethanhearers.com. Facebook us. Uh, you can message us there. You can uh, see whatever postings that Peter has done in our name. Uh, Facebook.com slash morethanhearers. And we're on Twitter. I'm... Orion plays music. Aren't you at Orion plays music? Everyone knows the at. Come on. Okay. Right. I, if you if you Twitter, then you, you know, you're right. I'm at Orion plays music. Okay. I always say that. And this time I I tried to abbreviate it, and it ended up being a much longer explanation because I tried to abbreviate. Peter is at M T H underscore Peter. You know how you're listening to a podcast. And you probably found it from some app service or like your iTunes um, podcast app or uh, your your Android Google podcast or whatever it is. Leave us a five-star review on that because oh. that would be neat to do. I um, think it would be great. That would. I, the reason I'm saying to leave five is because I know that you want to give us the best possible rating so that we can reach more people with this entertaining and informative podcast. <laughs> am, I, am I smarmy? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, okay. I would say if you feel like we're worthy of a three-star review, shoot us a message. Uh, Facebook.com like slash that. more than yours and be like, hey, you guys are three stars because of this. I'd give you five stars, but uh, – yeah. Yeah. And then we'll see what we can do to get it up to your five-star standard. Or not. But probably. We'd probably try. Yeah, let us at least give a chance to reject. I mean, if you thought we were only three stars because we don't give away free stuff, uh, we're, we're probably not going to give away free stuff. Maybe. The podcast is free. The podcast is free. Okay. But somehow, in spite of that, no, because of that, um, so I've had an amount of people actually ask if they can donate towards um the podcast cause and it uh just so you know real quick there are some costs associated with uh hosting the files and having the website and so forth but if you wanted to uh donate to us any amount of money uh we would put that towards spreading the uh the podcast to get we, we want to build community here we want to build more listeners and um and have a discussion going so uh paypal donation you can you can donate to us at same email address as our contact podcast at morethanhearers.com sorry i went so long on that let's talk some bible no i i think you did just fine i mean i I wasn't running a timer or anything, but I don't think you went longer than three minutes minutes. and 50 seconds. Oh, oh, I was running a timer. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm afraid we've lost some people. I don't know uh, what the attention span is these days. If you are short attention span and you're listening to this episode, uh, have a cup of coffee or stimulant of your choice. No, that doesn't sound oh, good. She's encouraging <laughs> stimulants <laughs> some, on a Bible podcast. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for listening. That's all for tonight. Uh, <laughs> no, we're in Luke chapter 9. And I, I don't say that because I think Luke 9 is boring. Luke 9's got some great stuff in it. Just like every other episode before this one, some of my favorite stories in the Bible are in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is 62 verses. Now, if you listen to episode 30, you know that was like 59, 56 verses, something like that. And we did it. We did it in plenty of time. I was sweating, but we pulled it off. We're we're not rushing through this. What it is, is unlike uh, when we did Romans or even when we did Ephesians, where it's more um, doctrinal based. Not that Luke is lacking doctrine. There's a ton in here. There's some in this chapter. It's just the Gospels are written more story-based. And so uh, a grouping of verses may read a little quicker than it would like in Romans, for instance. So because it's, it's leaping from one tale to the, to the next of the uh, accounts of Jesus' interaction with various people. 15 or 20 verses may tell one story, whereas Paul in Romans in 15 or 20 verses covers uh, a lot of stuff. So here we go. We're Luke chapter 9. Uh, follow along in your version of choice. I'm, as usual, in the NIV. Uh, here we go. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Hey, do uh, people still have this authority? <laughs> do you want to get stuck stuck on verse one? Yes-ish. Do you like my answer? I don't. Um, uh, it, it's hard. The way this is worded stinks. Uh, here come the angry emails. Here come the three-star reviews. Uh, I'd, like um, your, I'd five-star your podcast if you didn't say the Bible verses stink. It, you know what it is, Orion, is uh, what, what's hard for me. Let me read to the end of the sentence, which is to I, the end of verse two. Yeah, I should when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Where this is hard for me is we, me, you, Orion, have no authority to drive out demons or cure diseases. I, not that I know of. I don't want to say that I... I mean, I don't. I, uh, you're right. You're right. Jesus has all you're authority. Right, you're, right, you're right. You're right. In his name. Yeah. Right? So that's where I say the way this is worded is funky. Right. What, what Maybe is, he did give them... Right. That's... Them, those 12, that authority in that time and place. We can invoke the authority of Jesus. Right. And should he choose according to his will to do that, by all means. See, that's how that's how I feel about it. And, yeah. And yet there are uh, groups the, of Christians that really where healing is kind of like the, one of the main tenets of sure. their, um, I don't want to say their faith, but... Their maybe, practice. Sure. Yeah. And there's almost an insistence that, oh no, the healing is happening and... And we're going to be instruments of that healing and so forth. And, and if you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. And that's the problem is it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on someone to be healed. I think it can. It can. I'm not saying that it, that it does always, but it can make it uh, 
uncomfortable to be in the group if you aren't expressing the state of being healed, even if you weren't necessarily healed. It's, I mean, we shouldn't and, be forcing that on people. And even if you want to have that level of faith or belief or whatever, and but you recognize in your body you're not, what does that do to your walk? What does that do to your impression of who God is or who Jesus is or who you are as a follower? It's, nah, I'll be a little more bold because I'm less connected to it than than others. Uh, it's manipulative, I think. Um, there's nothing wrong with believing for your own healing or someone else's. But at the same time, we have to accept that God's answer might be no. Paul says he had a thorn in his flesh. He asked God three times to take it from him, and God said no. No. My strength is made, you know, is sufficient, or my grace is sufficient for you. His strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. You know, it's not, we don't all get it. Right. Some people do. Why does God heal some and not others? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew. I wish I could go, oh, you, sir, it's not going to happen for you. Or, you, ma'am, you better get to praying. It's coming. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't get to know that. And and I don't feel like I have that gifting from God to have that knowledge. It's not my thing. I don't want to say that sounds so dismissive. I'm sorry. This probably was a dispensation. I'm not a dispensationalist, uh, just so you know. But this was a dispensation of power for this time and place. Because in this chapter, in this very chapter, okay, verse 1 says, uh, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Before the end of this chapter, there's going to be a demon they can't cast out. (laughs) So it's pretty easy to sit here and say this may have been for a specific time and place and moment and that real authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases comes through the name of Jesus and we're actually going to see that towards the end of the chapter as well verse three did I answer your question before I move yeah, on? That's to good. I, I, I'm glad that was. I, I'm glad that we stopped there. I, sorry if it took too long, but no, uh, I think it was worth asking because verse three is going to give us a hint that this was probably a short-term thing. He told them, "Take nothing for the journey." That's not a good long-term plan. Just so you know, <laughs> uh, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If the people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Go ahead. Oh, man. This is one of my favorite verses. I I, I forgot that this was part of this. Oh, good. This is not necessarily... There's no theology here, I don't think. But in, no. But in practicing your theology and your uh, your faith in God, in Jesus... Why don't we do that instead of parking our butts and putting up pickets and whatever? Oh, you don't want us here? Well, we're going to form a, a mob or whatever. Or, you know, oh, you're, I'm not welcome on your Facebook. Well, I'm just going to have to insist on. No, no. Shake the dust off the sandals of your feet because that dust isn't worth the dust of these people that won't hear Jesus's truth. That dust isn't worth taking with you. Yeah, that's I'm I'm blown away by how much we want to just like stay in the face of people that don't want us or more importantly, they don't want Jesus. Get out of there. Right. Uh, uh, I'm so glad you brought it up because it actually this phrase occurs again um, in the Bible in Acts where Luke also again records like. Uh, the Holy Spirit couldn't uh, do anything there because the people no were resistant faith. or they didn't have faith or whatever. So we shook the dust off our sandals and ditched town. This was a um, a thing, 
uh, it was a, a thing of the time. It was a. It's a judgment, really. What it was it says a, as a testimony against them. It's right. a judge. It's like you know what you you casting me out of here, casting God's word out of here is is to your own detriment. To the point of, I want to take no piece of you and your town with me. Right. I'm going to shake the very dust of this town off of my feet so that none of it, none of it yep. comes with me. Right. I'm not taking a souvenir, no magnet. I'm not blessing no... anything from here. No. <laughs> you don't get that blessing. I'm taking the blessing on in the next group that wants to hear it. Um, yeah, I, exactly. Anyway, thanks for that. I'm... And I love that you brought it up because I, I was going to address the phrase, uh, if they don't welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now, I think it's worth qualifying because there are people I've met in churches who are like, oh, I was trying to preach the gospel, uh, but these people just wouldn't hear it. And so I'm shaking the dust off the heck. I'm leaving them to the Satan or whatever when uh, they've been obnoxious about it and maybe even rude or disruptive or whatever else. This is, Jesus says, whatever house you enter, stay there. Let people come to you. If they don't want anything to do with you, be gone. It says nothing about getting in people's faces with the gospel. It says nothing about being obnoxious or offensive or any of that other stuff. We should be trying to win people to the gospel, not force them, not bully them, not any of that other stuff. This stuff is power all by itself. What about if someone starts going off, even if you want to take this in context of the time, all right? Okay. Someone starts going off and going, oh, no, false messiah or uh, heretic and all that. You think these these guys, these disciples, want to stop and debate? I mean, no, I don't, I don't get the vibe that they did. I don't. I don't see it anywhere in the Bible. I don't even get Jesus doing. There's it. no even over the shoulder as they're walking out. Well, you know, someday you'll you'll regret this or go to hell. <laughs> right? Right? That's not there. <laughs> no, and we don't see Jesus do it. The Pharisees were dead set against him. And he claims to be the man, the Son of God. He's blaspheming. Does Jesus stand there and argue? No, he sneaks out. He's like, uh, they're going to stone me. I got to go. Apparently not my people. <laughs> yeah. Right? Why are we... I don't understand how we've gotten to where we are in the modern church. There are plenty of people out there hurting and lost and looking for an answer. Why are we trying to twist the arm of people who are not? Well said. Okay. We're going to get some angry emails. Here come the three-star reviews. The verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, verse 7, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. John the Baptist, by the way. Uh, Herod put him to death. Others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Now, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and they said, Send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. Bethsaida's kind of in the middle of nowhere. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, 
uh, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food from all the, for all this crowd. Now, you know this story because it's actually in all four Gospels. If you don't know this story, I'm going to give you some other information. These uh, five loaves of bread and two fish they have, they stole from some little kid. Mm. They didn't steal them, really. Uh, that's not what happened. Uh, they, that's all the food they could dig up because Jesus told them to go find something to eat. And so they went around and they came back. And I've studied this and taught on it several times. And the more I look at it, I almost see, uh, if I remember right in the other Gospels, it records Andrew's the one who says this. Where they're all like exasperated. Jesus is like, go get him something to eat. And they're like, uh, two days wages or something, two months wages. I don't remember what it was now. Is not enough to buy food for all of these people. And Jesus goes, I don't care. And so Andrew goes, we've looked around. We got this kid's lunch. It's five small loaves and two fish. Uh, we got nothing. And Jesus goes, uh, tell everyone to sit down. So uh, here we go. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for the crowd. Verse 14, about 5,000 men were there. Uh, you've heard this in church before probably, uh, plus women and children, sure. as much as twelve to 15,000 people. Uh, so, But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. How long did that take? Ooh. Count off one to fifty. You're a group. Next group, one to fifty. You count. Try and stay together. Okay. Anyway, I'm just done. I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and so this whole counting off and dividing into groups things I'm familiar with. It's hard with fifty. Sure. Much less groups of fifty times twelve thousand or so. It's a pain. Anyway, the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Jesus, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave to, uh, them to the disciples to distribute to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up about 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. End story in Luke's gospel. The, the one, there's two things in here that I want to point out. One is, if you take the other gospel accounts about the kid with the lunch, um, there's a really neat principle here of he was prepared to meet with Jesus. Out of all the people who were there, this kid was prepared to meet with Jesus. And because he was prepared to meet with Jesus, Jesus was able to use what little he brought and use it to bless, in this case, thousands. Um, the other piece that uh, sometimes gets pulled out of this is because he was willing to give up what little he had. Jesus was able to take and multiply it. I'm confident this kid got some bread and fish. Sure. Jesus wasn't like, well, this is for all of those people. Thanks, but no thanks. Like, the, I think there's a really cool principle there. The other thing that I, I recently saw in this is... Uh, in the beginning, you know, they reported Jesus all they had done. They went to Bethsaida, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. I'm in verse 11. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healing those who needed healing. That's all we get. Jesus has been teaching and healing all afternoon, and none of that is recorded. The gospel writers saw fit instead to record this. I'm sure what Jesus taught did that day had plenty of great theology and great foundational truths and principles. But what God inspired man to write down in his book was talk about this. Talk about 
beyond just the teaching, how important it is to take care of those of us around those around us, how important it is to give up what little you have for the kingdom, how important it is to be prepared to be part of the kingdom, all of those things. It just is neat to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying too hard to pull three points out of it, but um, it just stood out to me. So verse 16, no, verse 18, sorry. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, the, one of the prophet, that one of the prophets long ago has come back to life. And verse 20, oh, it's so good. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. In another gospel, he says, uh, you are the Messiah, the Christ who's come into the world, um, or the Son of the living God. I can't remember the exact wording. But in this, uh, the I have been quoted, or maybe nobody's quoted me, I'm fond of saying, this is the most important question any person, any person, Christian or otherwise, has to answer for themselves. Uh, is who do you say that he is? Who is he? There, There's no denying Jesus of Nazareth. You can be like, I don't believe in him. Cool, he existed. Like, there are people who didn't believe in him as the Messiah, didn't believe in him as the Son of God, who will say he existed. There was this dude around AD 30 named Jesus who came from a town called Nazareth, who people will agree with you, historians agree, that he uh, lived in Israel in this time and taught and did uh, was recorded as doing miracles and this and that and the other thing. He existed. Is that all he is to you? If so, that's fine. Who do you say that he is? If he's Messiah, if he is the Savior of the world, what then? Um, I think it's the one question every person has to answer, even if you don't get asked it. Right? Yeah. No, maybe. No, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's. That, I mean, you have to. You have to. Like, you said. Uh, yeah. You have to answer that. Yeah. Even if. Even if no one asked you. If no one asked you. Yeah. <laughs> According to the Bible, at the end of all things, you're going to be face to face with him. Uh, who do you say that he is? It's probably too late to answer the question, but I don't know. Uh, it gets weird. So uh, the end of verse 20, Peter answered God's Messiah. Verse 21, Jesus made sure they told everybody. Uh, no, no, it's another one of those no. No? No. no. Uh, what, what's it say in yours, Orion? Mine says Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Yeah, that's what I have here too. Oh. <laughs> and he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants... No, I don't want to go there yet. I'm going to, but I'm not, I don't want to go there yet. The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Spoiler alert, this happens. The funny thing is, is when it happens, the 12 who just heard him say these words... Didn't get it. Yeah. Lost on them somehow. Like, we talked a couple of episodes ago. He he speaks, he gives a parable. And he pulls the disciples aside and explains to them what it means. And they're like, why do you speak in parables? And he, he says, I do this because some people are never going to understand. This isn't a parable. 
He's not like the son of man is like a man arrested for crimes he didn't commit. And they put him to death. And on the third day, he rose again. Right. And he goes, no, no, uh, don't tell anybody I'm the Messiah. And just so you know, everybody's going to get really mad at me. They're going to kill me. And three days later, I'll rise again. Okay, boss. Sounds good. Like, on to the next thing? Yeah, like, Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there, there seems that, like, after that meeting, after that little talk, at some point you get a little private time with him, right? Like, you're just sunbathing or whatever. And you're like, remember that thing you said where you would die and then uh, three days later you would come back? Can you tell me more about that? Plenty of us have been in a classroom situation or maybe even a Bible study or something where the teacher has said something weird. Like over and our head or there are or just weird. Okay. And there are plenty of us who in our heads would go, That doesn't that doesn't sound quite right. But we won't say anything. But odds are in a group of twelve, somebody's gonna go, uh wh- what did you mean by that? I don't mm-hmm. could you you do that, Orion. You, I I've do seen that, you do that before where you're like I'm known for that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. In a class of less than twelve people, I've seen you do this. Sure. So it's just so odd to me. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you on this as to the why or what it means. Uh it just Strikes me as odd. So here we go. He gets weirder. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I just wrote something about this the other day. And it's because when Jesus said this, cross was on nobody's radar in relation to Jesus. We hear cross and Jesus in the same sentence. We hear Jesus mentioned cross. And for us, it has a point of connection. For these people, it had no point of connection. Well, the cross, they would have known cross. But it wouldn't have made any sense to hear Jesus say it. If they said, because the, the word, because cross means, can mean a couple of different things. But the word he used there would have been, I think, unmistakably uh, the crucifix or whatever. Probably the, the, the crucifixion cross. Right. That yeah. that specific type of cross. Right. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm 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 guessing at that. Um. So. So yeah, but they still would have had to. Okay, take up the. If anyone wants to listen to our podcast, they must daily strap themselves into an electric chair and listen. That's that is hard to understand. What? It's kind of it. I mean, cross represented humiliation. It represented um, death. death. It was a capital punishment for a capital crime. Punishment, uh, yeah. If you knocked off a 7-Eleven, you weren't necessarily getting the cross. You might lose a hand or a finger or something or spend some time in jail. I don't think they had 7-Elevens. I don't know what they had. Anyway, it was a capital punishment for a capital offense. Uh, it's not like the Romans um, crucified people who caught, caught speeding in their chariots or running a red light in their chariots or whatever. It wasn't that. It was a capital punishment for a capital offense. You had to do something bad. The the, th- the thief on the cross next to Jesus, I mean, we don't know what the extent Career thief, probably. Yeah, probably. Okay, that's enough thieving for you. Yeah, or stole something, stole tax money or something. Valuable enough to the, the state... Stole from the state, yeah. potentially. Yeah, it wasn't just a, a petty theft mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, according to what we know of Roman law, I'm not just making that up. It's, that's what we know historically of Roman law. And so um, I, I, 
I wish I had a better understanding to pass on to you, listener, of what the uh, the historical uh, context, that's the term I just learned, uh, what the audience present at the hearing un- would have understood this to mean. I'm trying to figure that out. When Jesus goes, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. I can get that. I can get behind that. And take up their cross daily and follow me. Well, he, once you take up your cross, there's no more days. He, there's no more what? There's no more days. Okay. E, sure. Okay. But but symbolically, like he's speaking in a little bit of symbolism here. He is. So if you continue, 24. Yep. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Yes. So that is a picture of finality at some point right like earthly finality the, yeah the, the end of your life here what that might look like and so taking up the cross i mean they would have understood that at least hopefully i, I think they would have understood that as walking that up to uh golgotha or whatever to to be crucified but how i, I i'm with you and that it's still really hard to understand what that really means yeah. I think it's still hard to understand now. I think we get it a little more now. We, we do, yeah. But crucified with Christ. Paul's, we covered it in Romans. I'm yeah. crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We have a different level of understanding. Yes. And that's why I point this out is because they didn't have that. Now, when Luke wrote this, he wrote it post-crucifixion and resurrection. He had an understanding of it that similar to ours. But the hearers at the time. Yeah. It's so crazy. And then I look at the, uh, we're going to have to teach Acts before too long here, Orion, maybe even after Luke. Because when I look at the aha moment some of the disciples must have had, post-crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, you almost see a light come on where they go, oh, oh, Mm. oh, 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 oh. (laughs) The sound of a mind being blown. Ooh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, remember when he said, like, you can almost sit, see him sitting around in the upper room. Like, remember when he said this? Oh, man. And th- like, it must have been so cool. I don't know. So, yeah, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Verse 25. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Can I... You have go, go no go because I, the, no I was going to go to the next verse but I wanted to pick on <clears throat> Joseph Smith for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, father of the Mormon movement. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with the guy. Yeah, the Church of Latter Day Saints. Yes, this man typifies or exemplifies to me. The whole uh, trying to save his life thing. And I don't want to speak to him losing it in that judgment or whatever, but the the man literally died in a gunfight in which he had a gun and was shooting back at authorities. Uh, can we not do that? <laughs> I mean, we shan't. I don't know. I don't know if we can pull this off as as followers of Christ. But please, can we do better than? I mean, like the guy is a founder of a of an entire movement, a very very large movement of uh, 
some people say that Mormon are not Mormons are not Christians or whatever. I I want to put them under the a similar umbrella in some sense that they had the same book and taught from it. They still do. Yet the the founder of that faith was trying to save his life with a gun. Uh, I, just, I I needed to bring that up. That that to me I don't know why that that's what what he's the guy I think of whenever I read this. There are some. I'm going to use a liberal, uh, I'm going to paint with a liberal brush. There are some branches. Uh, I was going to say branches of Christianity, but that's not right. I don't want to go, I don't even want to give it that much Be too generous? Yeah. There are some belief systems that you specifically, Orion, um, have encountered close up and have strong feelings about. Right. Yes, we've covered uh, some of it on this sure. uh, podcast before. The uh, Church of Salt Lake City is one I have very strong feelings about, and uh, I'll just leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of uh, good friends growing up who were Mormons, um, and as a junior in high school, I actually went on a Christian missions trip to Salt Lake City, Utah. Wow. I yeah, I've got a, a, a weird spot for the Mormon faith and I'm probably more read on it than anything other than Christianity. Um yeah, I had some strong feelings. So okay. We were we were asked to leave the Temple Visitor Center for trying to witness to oh, the tour guide. That's good stuff. <laughs> I, I, uh, At sixteen years old. I it was kind of a weird deal. I know we're we're mostly this this show is about Going through Bible, yeah. I mean, we interject enough stuff on the way, but it'd be neat to do some topicals, and we, we've talked about that. Yeah, we have talked about it, <laughs> but maybe between a couple of books. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, verse twenty-five. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the angels and of the holy angels. That's a rough verse all by itself. Uh, Luke 9, 26. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That's some harsh stuff. What does that mean for me or for you? I intend to not test it and find out. Amen. Okay, here we go. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, Jesus, after Jesus had said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring into fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. <laughs> they became fully when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, "Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." He did not know <laughs> what he was saying. I love that Luke interjects that in there because at the time Luke wrote this, Peter's like not the head of the Christian church, because Jesus was the head of the Christian church. He but he's easily in the deal. top five. He yeah. was a big deal. 
Most people knew who he was. The people who read this, Theophilus, who this was written to, knew who Peter was. So Luke cuts him some slack. So Jesus takes Peter he was James, out of John. his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little loony. He was bananas. He had been sleeping. To be fair, he just woke up. Um, I, I love this. There are these instances where Peter take or Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. And I used to I used to make a joke when I taught from these passages that it was because he couldn't trust the three of them. Yeah, the other nine he was fine <laughs> with, but these three had to keep close. It was probably more these were his close friends. Uh, John certainly thought he was pretty close. He referred to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. But anyway, um, he's praying, and the appearance of his face changes, and boom. Jesus is there, looks totally different, and Moses and Elijah. And Orion and I heard a teaching on this before, and I loved the illustration the, the teacher used of if you were a Jewish kid and you collected the heroes of Judaism action figures, Moses and Elijah were the two everybody had to have. They're Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda all wrapped up in two dudes. Like... If Jesus is Luke Skywalker, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but Moses and Elijah, right up there with Abraham, right up there with just Noah. These are the guys. Moses, the the leader of the exodus of the people out of Egypt and into the promised land, spoke with God on Mount Sinai, got the 10 tablets twice because he slipped and dropped and broke a set. No, not really. No. He got really mad and broke a set. This guy saw God's backside. It's in the Bible. Look it up. Mm. And then Elijah. Elijah. Um, hey, God, what do you say? No rain. Gets no rain. Hey, God, I'm going to uh, build an altar with a sacrifice on it. And I'm going to have these other prophets of this not God uh, build an altar with a sacrifice on it. And these guys are going to chant and dance and cut themselves. And I'm going to taunt them. Elijah goes, hey, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's on the toilet. Right. Yell louder so he can hear you till they finally are exhausted. And then he goes, uh, pour a bunch of water on mine. And then calls down fire from heaven, which consumes the sacrifice, the water and everything. And then I think the people or no, no, maybe not. No, no. Then the he people, put them to death with the people, a sword. Yeah, that's right. This guy. These two dudes are standing there with Jesus and Peter wakes up and kind of rubs his eyes and goes, I had those action figures when I was a kid. That's Moses and Elijah. Like, what? I don't know how you recognize them. But. I don't either, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and so they're like, it even says, um, they spoke about his departure. Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus about what's coming because they're, they're, Dead, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with okay. the Father. Okay, I got an interjection here. Please. There are, uh, somehow, people have thought, okay, there's this, uh, the notion of soul sleep. Yes. Okay, uh, soul sleep briefly. Uh, when you die, your soul goes into a uh, state of rest. It is not, there's no consciousness and so forth. And then uh, eventually at resurrection, that's where the soul wakes up and goes, to be with God. And the Bible, there's verses such as like you just said, to be absent uh, from body is to be present with the Lord, suggesting there's no delay whatsoever. But the soul sleep thing hits a, a, an issue here. Oh man, does it ever. <laughs> because Issue? It, it because, hits a wall. <laughs> because Elijah did not die. He rode off into heaven on a chariot of fire. And so there are groups of, of believers in soul sleep that want to say, Moses also did not die. No. Read Deuteronomy. I he believe did. 
he yes buried by I believe by God they're like and outside of the he didn't get to go to he the didn't get across the Jordan the it's people a, couldn't go till he died it's a story right it's 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 I mean it's a it, there's an account of it Moses okay Elijah yes did not die Moses very much died yet here he is conscious and talking about what's going to be going on with Jesus. It's really an amazing it's 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 amazing when you understand what you what you already know, <laughs> like just basic understanding of how life and death work, like from a non-spiritual level. When you get to the spiritual application of it, it's even more amazing. This is one of the the craziest stories in the Bible. One of the coolest things to happen. Can I'm going to read Deuteronomy 34 five and six. And Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in Moab. (laughs) As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave. God buried him, right? I was right. Yeah. 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 It's right there. I cannot, I I got no argument with you, but it says in my Bible. Yeah. uh, Moses died. Yeah, he did. He died right there. (laughs) He did. Uh, He's, he died. I, I'm not a, I think we may have covered this topic before. I'm not a soul sleep guy. Nor am I. At all. And if, um, and if you are, I think, I think you've got some challenges. But I, I mean, and, and for, I don't know what our listeners believe, um, right? And, and, and many of us are still trying to figure out what we think on a lot of these topics. But when you hit something like this that just, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> certain verses in the Bible make it really hard to think certain the- theological uh, statements. Yeah, and and I don't want to get stuck there. No, we won't. I just I wanted to toss it. But it's it's crazy. Okay. It says that uh, they spoke about his departure, and that's the point I was getting to about this idea of they are uh, they've died and they they've They're gone least, to be with the Father. Yeah, at least that and. Paul talks in places about us knowing in part right now, but when we're with God, we'll know fully. So I got to think that Moses and Elijah, having been with God, know what's to come. They've probably met Jesus. They've been to his house. Sure. And so God goes, this is about to get real hard. Why don't you guys go down and have a quick talk? And so Moses and Elijah, two guys who were so foundational in the movement of Israel's history through the covenants, Jesus, the fulfillment of all of those mm-hmm. covenants for them to just, it's a pep talk. Hey man, it's final rounds, fourth quarter, you know, ninth inning, bottom of the ninth and bases are loaded. You're up. You can do this. You know, what's on the other side of this down by three, yeah. right? <laughs> you're everything in you is going to not want to do this. But this is what we started, and you have to finish it. It's got to be finished. And I use those words on purpose because we know what Jesus says on the cross. Yeah. It's finished. It's it's really is a pep talk. They spoke about his departure, which was about to bring to which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter's companions are very sleepy. They become fully awake. They saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, they've given their pep talk to Jesus, and they're like, "We're this place blows. We haven't been here in a couple thousand years, and we left for a reason. We're out." Peter goes, uh, "Wait, Jesus, uh, this is so cool." <laughs> he says, "It's good for us to be here. It's so super dope. Um, we're gonna put up some tents. Uh, 
I don't need one. James, John, we <laughs> talked. We don't need one either. Uh, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Do you have any idea the crowds this is going to bring? We'll just have a camp out. Right. Uh, they don't have to go. No, no, no. With shelters. It's fine. They can stay here. Uh, you look a little weird. Never seen you like this before. Uh, 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 yeah, he get some shelters. And he, it, it says he didn't know what he was saying. But verse 34, while he was speaking. So in the midst of him saying this, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And then a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen Listen to him. And it's it's almost a comical moment for me, having just read from Deuteronomy. Because this is what happened. Moses is like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, uh, sure. Whatever he gives you, don't break it. <laughs> you guys are going to get down the mountain. The other nine have built a golden calf. Like, yep. I've seen this before. And so uh, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. I wish I would have been there when they told this to Luke. All right. I've never told anybody this story before. Okay, so there, we were tired. It was a long day. Jesus took the three of us up on the mountain. Me and James and John, we just, we dozed off. I, it's, it'd been a long day, okay? We climbed a mountain. And I'm waking up, I'm rubbing my eyes, and I look over, and Jesus looks weird, man. He's like bright, almost like the sun. <laughs> You're not going to believe me, Luke. Luke goes, no, what, what? Moses and Elijah were there. Shut up. No, I'm, I was there, and I said the dumbest thing. I'm like, tents. We need tents. We got to build tents. And Mo Luke goes, no, you didn't. I, I just woke up, man. Cut me some slack. I didn't know what I was saying. So I'm like, let's build tents. And while I'm talking... Like cloud comes everywhere. And he goes, and I saw Moses' eyes get a little shifty. And I knew something was going down. And this voice goes, this is my son. Do what he says. And then everybody's gone. It is so cool. Now I have to share with our listeners, for the first time in 31 episodes, we're not going to finish a chapter. Didn't we do a two-parter once? No. No, we did two chapters once. Oh, dang. We so did this is Romans 15 and 16 in one episode. Oh, okay. That's what it was. I don't think we've... No, this is the first this time the first... we have not finished a chapter in an episode. An historical moment. An historical moment? I've seen it said... It always cracks me up because when people pretend that H is a vowel or whatever. That... It's not. <laughs> I mean, if you had a really <laughs> thick English accent, the H would be silent and it would be an it... historical moment. It's like Cockney or something, right? I, mean, I don't know. I never lived there. <laughs> Uh, I do a pretty good Monty Python, whatever, which one that is. Uh, I can pretty much do all the lines from the Monty Python search for the Holy Grail. Uh, whatever accent that one is. Okay. I can do those. Anyway, I might even be able to do the Scottish guy. I don't know. But, um, to do the text justice and to not make you feel like you're to listen to this episode for an entire two weeks to get through it, we're going to wrap it here. And we will finish in episode 32, the second hack, half hack, second half <laughs> we made a, made of a hack Luke of chapter it. nine. So if you're keeping track, we've ended uh, basically at verse 36. Please come for episode 32 where we're going to start at Luke 9, 37.